Fired Up show starts right now. And welcome, everybody. Happy New Year. (laughs) Welcome to the first podcast of 2024 right here on WJMS Media for the Fired Up program. This is Steve. I hope everybody had a safe and enjoyable New Year and holiday season as we uh, now get ready to move into 2024 for real. Uh, We are heading toward the November elections, as we've been talking about for the last two years. So we kick it off with a question for all the political junkies out there. Uh, Are you, like me, happy to watch 2023 fade into our rearview mirror? Uh, Well, if you are, then we've got uh, probably some good news and some less than good news. The good news is... 2023 is behind us with all of its chaos and uh, buffoonery and clown car madness that we witnessed over the course of the year. And we'll talk a little bit about that in this program. Uh, The less than good news is that it is not very likely that 2024 is going to be any less uh, dramatic and clownish and strange uh, than 2023 was. Uh, simply because, you know, really none of the players uh, have changed uh, over the course of transition uh, through New Year to 2024. So we're probably uh, still going to see a Republican uh, House that is still just uh, unable to get its political house in order, uh, due in large part to the um, aforementioned players still being in the game on the Republican side of the aisle, and the Democrats perhaps uh, and probably uh, continuing their soft core uh, response to what's going on from the Republican side and a, you know, bringing a knife to a gunfight approach to dealing with uh, what the Republican majority. Uh, is putting forward uh, for their agenda as we move into the uh, second half of the political life of the 118th Congress. So, you know, what we're most likely going to see is, you know, continuation of the games, uh, the the eyebrow-raising moments, you know, all of the things that just made us you know, groan and grimace in pain with uh, what we observed uh, happening in the U.S. House of Representatives in 2023 and compound that with the fact that we will be uh, racing headlong toward the national political elections, uh, the presidential races, and uh, all of the House races that are going to be occurring and, you know, the political gamesmanship, brinksmanship, strategy, tactics, all of the things that we've been talking about, uh, you know, over the course of 2023 and uh, even before that uh, is all going to get amplified in the uh, lens of the upcoming national election. So, you know, uh, same advice that I gave, I'm pretty sure I gave it at the beginning of 2023, uh, strap in, keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times, because it's going to be a roller coaster this coming year. Uh, unfortunately, that seems to be where we're going to be headed. Uh, however, 
we're going to talk uh, many times over the course of this year about some of the strategies and tactics that we, the voters, uh, need to use and must use in order to regain control of our political leadership. Right now, uh, it's clear, and it has been clear for many years now, that uh, particularly on the Republican side of the aisle, but Democrats, you don't get a free ride on this either because you know the years that you were in control, uh, you allowed a lot of things to go by the boards that you really should have addressed. Uh, and as the minority party for the last year, uh, you really could have uh, raised a more aggressive uh, fight for the things that you know your constituents uh, are telling you that you know they want that we want. So you know we're going to be uh, focusing this year on you know what's going on with the elections and what can we as the voters do in order to influence and effect the changes we want to see. But again, you know, welcome to 2024. Uh, let's roll up our sleeves, get ready to uh, put in the work we need to put in in order to achieve uh, the results we want to see. All right, so let's get it started. And uh, as usual, we're going to kick it off with some of the things that are going on in some of the states starting with uh, the state of Mississippi. Uh, if you follow you know, my podcast, uh, we talked uh, uh, several weeks ago, probably on the order of about a month uh, or six weeks ago, about a case in Mississippi where the Mississippi State Legislature, which is uh, solidly Republican due to partisan gerrymandering, uh, had uh, put forward a bill that would uh, basically create an encapsulated district around uh, the largest uh, county in Mississippi and also the one with the highest number of uh, African-American and other minority residents in it uh, that would put a a organization or a body together uh, both uh, to to provide judges for that district as well as a separate law enforcement division uh, specifically uh, focused on that district which uh, also includes uh, the state capital of Mississippi the uh, capital complex improvement district uh, as it's called uh, the court would be appointed by the state Supreme Court Chief Justice and the prosecutors would be appointed by the state attorney general. Uh, according to an article uh, that came out uh, actually on the first, um, the critics of this have argued that this system uh, will not represent the city's majority black community. According to U.S. District Judge uh, Henry Wingate, who dismissed the request to block the new court filing uh, this past Sunday, just one day uh, before the new law setting up the court would go into effect, uh, he said that the court was, quote, not persuaded by the plaintiff's motion to halt the creation of the new court. Uh, 
none of the plaintiffs has a law has alleged rather that he or she is in actual or imminent imminent danger of experiencing any concrete and particularized injury resulting from the establishment of the Capitol Complex Improvement District Court or the challenged appointment of a judge or prosecutors for that court, he wrote. Um, Governor Reeves signed two bills last year that are at the center of an NAACP-led lawsuit. House Bill 1020 created the separate legal system for the Capitol Complex Improvement District, which is the 17 and a half square mile area surrounding the Capitol building in Jackson, Mississippi. Senate Bill 2343 required those protesting at the state Capitol to get permits with the Capitol Police, which is controlled by the state. And did I mention that the state is heavily gerrymandered in favor of Republicans? The NAACP argued in its lawsuit that the two laws violate the 14th Amendment by discriminating against the citizens of Jackson. According to the article, uh, quote, in violation of the 14th Amendment, these laws target Jackson's majority black residents on the basis of race for a separate and unequal policing structure and criminal justice system to which no other residents of the state are subjected. Uh, a spokesperson for the NAACP said the organization has already appealed the judge's ru ruling to the Fifth Circuit, which granted an administrative stay on the provisions of House Bill 1020 that would establish the court. So, you know, the, the battle lines uh, had been formed. Uh, the first salvos are being fired uh, in Mississippi. Uh, the uh, state legislature... Uh, is looking, as the article said, to create an, a, basically an exclusion zone within which uh, the state would appoint judges and prosecutors uh, without any input from the uh, affected residents of that zone. Uh, it's also the only area in the entire state of Mississippi where such an effort is being undertaken so we will keep track as we're as we do and let you know what the status is of the lawsuit and what the outcome will be so uh, keep tracking us here on fired up and uh, we will let you know how that proceeds uh, in another state uh, in in new york in particular uh, what we saw come out, and this came out in mid-December, but it bears uh, circling back on uh, because it is going to impact greatly what's going to happen in the state of New York uh, in terms of its uh, representatives to the U.S. House, which in turn is going to have a major impact uh, potentially on the control of the House of Representatives uh, in uh, 2025. So by way of recollection, uh, just to kind of give you some of the backstory behind this, uh, before the 2022 midterms, uh, the uh, state legislature in New York um, had new district maps drawn. Uh, the, con the congressional maps uh, were considered favorable to the Republicans 
Uh, and these were the ones that have been struck down by New York State's highest court. Um, so what will happen is the legislature will uh, most likely enact a plan that will be more favorable to Democrats. Uh, according to you know, an article, um, under the new map, Democrats could flip as many as six seats currently held by Republicans, which would be enough to seize control of the House of Representatives uh, in its current state. Uh, the U.S. House has a uh, overall, I think, a one or two seat majority uh, for Republicans over the Democrats. Um, the New York Republicans, again, according to this article, who rode a state level red wave to Congress in 2022, uh, about, are about to watch their districts shift dramatically to the left. The big question is whether New York Democrats will squander this opportunity with the kind of mismanagement and infighting that led them to disaster last year. So, you know, what, what's happening is there's a battle going on uh, in uh, the state court of appeals, which is the, the top court in the state of New York. Um, the conservative-leaning majority appointed by uh, former Governor Andrew Cuomo and led by Chief Judge Janet DeFiore directed an outside mapmaker to redraw the, uh, the district plans. The mapmaker's submission was heavily influenced by analysis from experts who specialized in GOP-friendly redistricting. It gave Republicans an edge while pushing two top Democrats into the same district, forcing them to compete against each other. As a result, Republicans seized five or six additional uh, seats, uh, although one was vacated when the House expelled uh, indicted uh, Representative George Santos. In the meantime, New York Governor Kathy Hochul flipped the court to a new liberal majority. DeFiore stepped down amid uh, misconduct allegations, and Hochul elevated Rowan Wilson, a liberal associate judge, to lead the court as chief. The governor also appointed the left-leaning Caitlin Halligan to fill Wilson's old seat. Democrats then filed a new lawsuit arguing that the Independent Redistricting Commission, or IRC, must produce new maps instead of relying on the court-ordered plans drawn by the outside mapmaker. Uh, on Tuesday, the Court of Appeals sided with the Democratic challengers by a 4-3 vote, throwing out the existing maps. Chief Judge Wilson, who dissented from the 2022 decision, wrote the majority opinion, which focused on a narrow procedural question, and that being, should the old plan remain in effect for the rest of the decade? Uh, Wilson said no, citing the state constitution's command that a court may impose a map only when it is required as a remedy for a violation of the law. The current map, he wrote, may have been required when the Court of Appeals imposed it last year in the run-up to November, but it is no longer required today because the IRC has ample time to draw a new plan and submit it to the legislature. So, he concluded, the commission must draft a revised map. So, 
uh, right now the the IRC, the Independent Redistricting Commission, remains evenly split between Democrats and Republicans, and its warring factions are unlikely to agree on a substitute map. If they don't agree, the legislature may, under state law, simply enact its own map. It may also reject, reject and redraw any map the IRC submits if it somehow gets its act together. That sounds familiar. Either way, the Democrat-controlled legislature will have the last word, and Wilson has already strongly suggested that he and his colleagues have no interest in shooting down a democratically enacted map, as the court did in 2022. So, you know, we, we see a battle brewing in the state of New York with national consequences uh, as, you know, those number of seats, even if the Democrats uh, don't manage to swing them all, uh, it does not take uh, a lot of seats to flip uh, what is the current majority level in the U.S. House of Representatives. Now, keep in mind, uh, as you think about this, that we are coming into a national election year and all of the uh, congressional seats are up for re-election this year. So not only are we going to have a new headcount in the U.S. House of Representatives, but if these, you know, if, if the New York delegation can swing, you know, all six of these seats, uh, the Democrat lead in the House uh, could be significant, uh, you, you know, per, perhaps as much as seven or eight seats or more uh, in the House. Now, while that doesn't may not seem like a lot, uh, considering that there have been times in uh, the history of the U.S. House where uh, one party has had a, a 10 or 20 or 30, uh, I think the uh, Democrats held as many as 45 seats at one point in time uh, in, in being the majority. So, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting thing uh, to see what happens. Uh, as the article says, uh, winning cures all and the structural advantage that Democrats are expecting to get from this redrawn map is also going to be juiced by $45 million in spending that National Dems have already pledged to those aforementioned six races. So, you know, if, if there are six races up for grab, the money is going to be pouring into uh, the New York can state campaign coffers uh, in order to get uh, a, a Democrat favorable outcome from this. And of course, you know, it goes without saying that the Republicans are going to do likewise. There is a caveat to keep in mind, though, as some sources are saying that the Republicans, um, after, you know, booting out their uh, fundraising champion, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, as Speaker of the House in October, and keeping in mind that uh, his replacement, Mike Johnson, is nowhere near the master level fundraiser uh, that his predecessor was, uh, the Republicans may decide to pick and choose a few of those seats to uh, aggressively defend, but they may just write off the New York delegation to whatever happens, uh, particularly 
in when you consider that uh, Republican George Santos, who was expelled from the House uh, not too long ago, uh, came from a uh, decidedly Democratic district. And Republicans may think that it is, you know, good money after bad to try and uh, reclaim or capture that seat. So we'll keep a look on that and let you know what happens. Um, as I said at the top of the show, this is going to be a tumultuous year. Uh, you need to make sure that we are paying attention to it. Uh, there are, you know, a, a number of other uh, national level issues that are going to be calling for attention. Uh, the battles over uh, women's reproductive rights uh, continues. Uh, we have now a, a new uh, element in the game, and that is uh, these states that are voting on whether or not to keep uh, former President Trump on the Republican primary ballot uh, coming into the um, the primary season, uh, and by the way, as of today, uh, and and this is you know the first of January, we are two weeks uh, away from the Iowa caucuses, uh, which are the first uh, litmus test of where the Republican Party stands in terms of who is going to be its nominee. Now, of course, you know as all the news outlets and all the media is talking about Donald Trump has a a huge lead over the rest of the field. However, there has been in recent months a lot of jockeying for second place as we head toward Iowa and then New Hampshire, which are the first two primaries to occur. And um, we see uh, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley uh, battling it out back and forth. Uh, they are, according to some polls, uh, a little more than uh, a point uh, uh, difference uh, or, or one point separates them in the polls. Uh, and uh, we will see. Once we get through Iowa and New Hampshire, of course, then we head down to South Carolina, where, oddly enough, uh, Nikki Haley, who is the former governor, of South Carolina is actually uh, behind uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the polls there. So this is going to be a head scratcher uh, going through the year. We will try and keep some sense of it. But the key is, and this is really important, if you are, you know, in Iowa or if you are in New Hampshire uh, or if you are in uh, South Carolina, uh, or the upcoming Super Tuesday sites uh, that you pay attention, look at not just the national candidates, not just who's running for president. Uh, we talk all the time on this program about paying attention to the down ballot. So let, let's, let's take a moment and talk about that a little bit. So if you look at the example uh, that I just mentioned of what's going on in New York, it gives you the sense of where uh, the, the true power in American politics lies. And contrary to what you might think, um, most of the power does not reside in Washington, D.C. when it comes to determining 
uh, ha the, the everyday impacts uh, that the government of the United States uh, has on your and my life, our daily existence. Uh, the, the majority of that power actually resides with the states, and it's by design. That's the way the Constitution was written, that, yes, there are three branches of federal government that are charged with operating the country of the United States. But the, the power behind those offices comes at the state level. State legislatures are, uh, and, and governors and, and the states are where you know, the totals are generated that dictates where the federal government uh, is, is moving from a, a legislative standpoint. What do I mean by that? Well, if we look at what happened in the aftermath of the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe versus Wade and you know drastically changed uh, the the access by women to reproductive medical care, including abortion, but across the board, what we saw was that the uh, the decision removed the the control of those laws, that legislation from the federal level. It sent it back to the states. So the states have the uh, power, you know, individually and collectively to determine uh, what type and level of reproductive and medical care that, you know, residents uh, of that state, you know, those that can become pregnant, uh, can receive. Uh, and we have already seen the impact of that change uh, both from a legislative standpoint in terms of the, uh, the overwhelming uh, reversal of that uh, trend in you know, states like uh, North Carolina and, you know, and others where the voters overwhelmingly voted to codify reproductive uh, rights for women into their state constitutions effectively moving control of that from the federal level to the state level, which uh, was what the law intended. Now, if we add into that what I just talked about uh, happening in the state of New York uh, and you know, other states around the country where the, the legislatures uh, are you know, coming under fire for their gerrymandering of districts, to keep Republicans uh, in control uh, in outsized proportion to their uh, physical representation in the state, meaning Republicans in in certain states may only be uh, you know thirty five or forty percent of the population, or you know maybe even as much as fifty percent of the population. Yet because of gerrymandering. They control uh, 60, 70 percent of the legislative power in that state. So they, they have an, an outsized influence over state politics. And through that, federal politics, uh, based on the fact that, you know, the districts are uh, constructed so that Republican strongholds are maintained while Democratic uh, 
uh, strongholds are, are weakened. Um, something else to keep in mind, and I've mentioned this before, we talk a lot and the, the political media talks a lot about, you know, red states versus blue states, red districts versus blue districts. Something you need to keep in the back of your mind when you hear uh, a, 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 a pundit or a reporter or an analyst or an opinion writer talking about, you know, a red state or talking about a blue state. Keep in mind that there is no such thing as a 100% pure red district, 100% pure red state. Every state in this country is actually purple. That is, you can go to any district in this country, whether it's you know in a, in a state or a district controlled by Democrats, and you can go and find Republican enclaves in that district. So, the, you know, there, like I said, there's no such thing as 100% red or 100% blue. So what that means is that there are opportunities there for, you know, the, the opposing party, whether it be uh, Republican or Democrat, uh, to actually build coalition, gather voters, and elect, you know, people of their party into the positions of power. Even in, even in a red state, it is possible for uh, Democrats to win, such as the case in New York. The six districts in question were uh, strongly Democratic districts. They voted in substantial numbers for Joe Biden in the last presidential election. Yet, Republican congresspeople uh, won those districts in the midterms. So you had Republicans winning seats in, you know, in blue districts. So that's the model that we need to uh, advocate for and push for and try and get accomplished uh, with uh, the other states that are there. And when we come back on the other side of the break, I want to talk just a little bit about what the consequences of that could be. So we'll take our break here. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMS Media, the first show of the new year, and we're already getting ready to wade into it waist deep. So strap in, everybody, and we'll be right back after the break. I always had to be so good, no one could ignore me. Carve my path with data and drive. But some people only see who I am on paper. The paper ceiling. The limitations from degree screens to stereotypes that are holding back over 70 million stars. Workers skilled through alternative routes rather than a bachelor's degree. It's time for skills to speak for themselves. Find resources for breaking through barriers at tearthepaperceiling.org. Brought to you by Opportunity at Work and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the second half of the Fired Up podcast as we kick off 2024 with all new stories and watching what's going to be going on this critical year in the political machine of the United States. Uh, as we talked about in the first segment, uh, this year we are now uh, racing headlong toward the November elections. But remember, uh, all you uh, local state uh, voters, 
there are other elections that will occur during the course of the year. So don't just focus your vision on what's going to happen in November. Keep an eye out on your local races because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where uh, policy that comes up to the federal level gets its start. So we will see what transpires. And of course, we will keep you posted on it here on the Fired Up podcast on WJMS Media. So let's continue with our discussion uh, around the states. And uh, I want to bring up that uh, many eyes are on Illinois as we enter uh, the new year. Uh, There are some 320 new laws uh, coming into action after the first of uh, the month as of uh, today, actually. And uh, we're going to look at a few of those uh, with what they are and what their possible impacts might be, both in Illinois and in the larger picture. So we'll kick it off with a subject that's been, you know, circling around the political scene for many, many years now. uh, And that is uh, banning semi-automatic weapons. So while the Supreme Court Uh, failed to take up uh, the case of Illinois' ban on the sale, possession, or manufacture of automatic weapons like the type used uh, in a mass shooting at the 2022 4th of July parade in the Chicago suburb of Highland Park. The law bans dozens of specific brands or types of rifles and handguns, including, uh, but not limited to, 50 caliber guns, attachments, and rapid-firing devices. Uh, No rifle uh, in Illinois will be allowed to accommodate more than 10 rounds with a 15-round limit for handguns. So one of the other things about this law that uh, is just going into effect as of today is uh, individuals who previously purchased such guns uh, must register them with the Illinois State Police effective January 1st. Uh, so we'll see how that progresses. Uh, we'll see what the, the pushback from the pro-gun lobby uh, will be. I suspect that it's going to be fierce, uh, but we will keep you informed. Another, and this one you know, has been really, really heated uh, since the, the midterms and the rise of such political figures as uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and so forth. And that is, um, there was a law that uh, was uh, brought up in Illinois uh, that dealt with libraries that indiscriminately banned books. uh, And in the state of Illinois, libraries that perform that task will not be eligible for state funds. Uh, They must adopt the American Library Association's Library Bill of Rights, stating materials should not be excluded because of the origin, background, or views of those contributing to their creation. The Library Association in Illinois reported that attempts to censor books reached a 20-year high in 2022, especially those with LGBTQ plus themes and those written by people of color. So the battle line uh, seems to have been drawn in Illinois, Uh, And again, we'll see what, if any, challenges to this law 
uh, comes forward as we uh, make our way through 2024. Another uh, one on the economic front is uh, regarding paid time off. Uh, and this law uh, ma mandates that employees will be required to offer paid vacation for any reason. Workers will accrue one hour for paid leave for every 40 hours work worked up to a total of 40 hours. Employers may not offer more, I'm sorry, employers may offer more than 40 hours and employees may take time off after working for 90 days. So, you know, as, uh, as a worker, uh, you know, that's greatly appreciated. Uh, time off is important both for mental and emotional health. So we'll see uh, again if there is a pushback on that one. Uh, one, and this one uh, rose up uh, based on a uh, uh, traffic stop uh, of Duante Wright, uh, who was pulled over in Minnesota in 2021 for having a dangling air freshener. Uh, he was shot when the officer reaching for her stun gun instead grabbed her sidearm. Uh, so the law was written in Illinois to remove the prohibition on hanging air fresheners from your uh, rear view mirror or other objects hanging from your the rear view mirror. So uh, hopefully this law will, will gain traction and you know we will see a reduction in the number of officer-involved shootings and assaults and uh, tasings as a result of traffic stops for items hanging from rearview mirror. Uh, another uh, driving-related or travel-related law that went into effect uh, is uh, a law that bans video conferencing on the road. Uh, and the law, in summary, uh, states video meetings, uh, uh, streaming or accessing a social media website while driving will be prohibited. Uh, funny, I thought that it already was, but this law, um, you know, codifies it into Illinois state law. Uh, there will be an exception for video on a hands-free or voice-activated device or an application requiring the push of no more than a single button to activate or terminate it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that law progresses through the system and, you know, what, if any, uh, actions are taking regarding that. Uh, another law, and this one uh, deals with uh, vaping. Uh, this is a law that is, uh, is uh, addressing uh, vaping or smoking an electronic cigarette or cigar in a public indoor space will be prohibited. The law adds electronic smoking devices to the list of items prohibited in indoor public places under the 2008 Smoke-Free Illinois Act, which banned regular tobacco products indoor use. Uh, uh, so another uh, vehicle-related law that uh, was put into effect as of uh, today, as of January 1, is uh, license plate reader restrictions. Now, this one uh, deals with the uh, agreements that uh, are in place interstate 
between law enforcement agencies and it states that they must specify that license plate reader technology will not be used on cars driven by women coming into Illinois to have abortions. Now, I have questions on this. Uh, number one, uh, with all of the women that are traveling the roads in and out of states every day, how are they going to uh, identify those that are uh, coming into the state for an abortion as opposed to business travelers, vacation travelers, people going to visit families, etc. Uh, so I suspect this one's going to get some challenge uh, and hopefully we'll get some clarifications uh, by the courts uh, through that process. Another uh, new law coming up uh, in uh, Illinois is uh, one dealing with surveillance drones. And this one's based on uh, uh, the uh, events following the Highland Park parade shooting. Lawmakers approved the use of drones by law enforcement to surveil uh, routed or special events. The drones may not be equipped with weapons or facial recognition technology. So they are solely for monitoring crowds uh, and monitoring the activities of people uh, participating uh, you know, events and, and so forth. So uh, that one could be, uh, could have some benefit uh, in that, you know, it, it is a way for law enforcement to get maybe a quicker handle on, you know, tense situations that may boil over into more violent situations. Uh, this next one uh, is uh, very much a part of the AI revolution that we have seen over the last 14 months uh, around the world. Uh, but this one deals with uh, what is called deep fake porn. Victims of digital for forgeries known as deep fake pornography may file civil lawsuits against anyone who shares or threatens to share an image that falsely depicts a person exposing genitalia or other private parts or engaging in a sex act. Identifying the image as uh, materially altered is not a defense to liability. In other words, you can't put such an image uh, up on the internet and simply have you know, a Chiron or a watermark that says, you know, generated by AI or something like that, that is not going to protect you from, uh, from criminal uh, or civil um, lawsuits. Uh, the next is restrooms may be all gender multi-occupancy, meaning uh, businesses will have the option of installing restrooms that may be used by any, any gender simultaneously. Current restrooms may be renovated to accommodate all genders. Uh, urinals may not be included. Um, may not be included, and stalls must have floor-to-ceiling locking dividers. So we will we'll see how that flies with uh, groups such as the you know anti-LGBTQ groups and so forth. Uh, what they think of that. And the last uh, one that I want to highlight here uh, of, again, more than 320 laws that came into effect in the state of Illinois uh, as of the new year. Uh, and this one is voter registration for teens. 
And under this law, teenagers may pre-register to vote at the age of 16 or 17 while obtaining a driver's license or state identification card at a driver's services office run by the Secretary of State. When turning 18, the legal voting age, they will already be registered to vote. Uh, I see this law as a very good thing, as a positive move forward to encourage uh, and expand voter participation in the election process. So kudos to Illinois on that one. And, and again, uh, we're going to be looking at other states and laws that they are bringing into effect as of the new year uh, just to see where the pulse of the country is going in terms of, of key uh, issues. Uh, we'll be looking out for you know, laws related to reproductive rights, uh, laws related uh, to uh, educational uh, concerns, uh, including uh, you know, CRT and DEI uh, related laws. So we will keep you posted on what comes down the pipeline from the state in terms of new laws uh, going into effect uh, with the turn of the year. But uh, some of them I, I am you know, very encouraged to see that Illinois is uh, out in front with these and hopefully we'll see other states follow suit. Some other things uh, now that we're into 2024 and uh, this one um, is one of you know, the, the many, many, many uh, prediction pieces that have you know come out of mainstream media over the last uh, week, ten days or so, as the new year approached, and um, wanted to um, to bring this one out. Uh, this one comes from uh, I believe it's Politico, and you know it says uh, on to twenty twenty four, Biden will beat Trump and Kamala Harris will play a huge role. Uh, it's an interesting headline. So, you know, the uh, crystal ball forecasts uh, based on, uh, you know, what's been trending and, and what's moving forward uh, define some of the uh, events and uh, significant uh, uh, political news that's going to come out of 2024. Uh, the first one that they have listed up here is Ron DeSantis with uh, the byline, sorry, Ron, it just didn't work out. Uh, it says, turn back the clock one year this week and the 45-year-old Florida governor was holding the hottest hand in politics. He was being hailed as the future of the GOP and hauled in a boatload of money from big dollar GOP donors opposed to the former president, Donald Trump. Uh, but Trump, I'm sorry, but DeSantis tried to run as a Trump imitator. Uh, there are a lot of pundits that uh, called him Trump light. Um, he bet big on the culture wars, on banning uh, abortion in Florida after six weeks of pregnancy, and approving new standards requiring that schools teach that slaves gained, quote, skills for personal benefit from slavery. And we did a piece on that on this program a few weeks ago. So, you know, that was one where um, the, the stake wasn't worth the sizzle, in other words. Um, Nikki Haley, uh, not only who is in the predictions, but also made headlines this past week uh, over her comments uh, at uh, 
uh, a public forum where she was asked to define uh, what was the cause of the Civil War. And she talked about, you know, government and, you know, people's rights and all of that and didn't mention uh, slavery. Uh, of course, you know, within a day she was, you know, trying to walk that back, but the, the damage uh, may have been done. Um, but she still shows, you know, the potential of uh, surpassing Ron DeSantis as the leading GOP alternative to Donald Trump. Uh, she's banking on a second place finish in Iowa and also uh, a strong finish in New Hampshire. Uh, so, you know, while she's not likely to beat uh, Trump for the nomination, but when the GOP convention happens in Milwaukee this summer, uh, she could walk in with uh, enough delegates to have leverage and uh, see some of her uh, positions put on the party platform. So we will keep keep an eye on Nikki Haley um, and, and we'll see how uh, she progresses. Uh, the next one uh, in the prediction pool was what's going on with uh, abortion and uh, women's reproductive rights. Uh, and, you know, it, it it's really interesting and we have also talked about this on this show in previous episodes how you know every poll uh, over the last uh, few years that has been gauging public sentiment on abortion particularly in the the roll-up to uh, the the uh, defeat of Roe versus Wade and and so forth um, what Republicans thought was going to happen was that uh, the anti-abortion movement was going to be another driver for uh, the red wave that was supposed to occur in 2022. What we've seen is, um, you know, that by every metric, uh, abortion is likely to actually lead Democrats back to control of the House majority and even increase potentially their Senate majority. So, you know, the Republicans were betting heavy on the over that uh, the abortion issue would lead them uh, into their, uh, their promised red wave in 2022. Uh, actually, the result was the under was actually the winning bet. And, you know, that so-called red wave never materialized and Republicans saw an erosion of uh, their position in the Senate and only a slim majority gained in the House. So, you know, we will see additional uh, impacts of the anti-abortion movement on the polling uh, and on the voting as we proceed through the year. There are some special elections coming up uh, regarding ballot initiatives and so forth. And of course, uh, the subject of reproductive rights will be one of the front and center topics of the uh, national presidential election. Uh, and uh, there will be a lot of uh, discussion and words flung back and forth over that. And you can believe that. So, you know, it, it's clear that uh, Democrats uh, will continue 
uh, on the road that their history as the pro-choice party has given them. Uh, predictions are that this year they can point to their support for keeping abortion as a private matter and away from politics as one of their bedrock principles. All signs are that the elect electoral rewards will be there. So, it, it, you know, it, it's you know, anticipated that abortion is going to drive a substantial portion of the Democratic base vote uh, in the in the upcoming national election, as well as, uh, you know, a, a, a votes opposed to Republican and conservative positions against abortion in uh, state and local races. So. Of course, we will keep an eye on this and bring you the details as they come to light. And, you know, it wouldn't be a prediction if we didn't talk about uh, the current administration. One of the, the big points uh, that a lot of the media is talking about uh, is uh, current Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, many are saying that she is set to become the comeback kid of 2024 uh, so you know after you know all of the, the 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 flack and the bad press and all of that that uh, she has suffered through uh, through the first uh, three years of the Biden administration uh, she is proving as the first female vice president to be actually a campaign asset uh, she is uh, looking or the Democratic Party is looking at her to fire up core liberal voters, beginning with women, people of color, younger voters and college educated voters. Uh, of course, these are the Democrats that I'm sorry, these are the voters that Democrats are targeting for high turnout in swing states from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin, uh, states that they need to win in November. Uh, her standing as the first black, first female, and first Indian American vice president gives her unique traction as Democrats face a Republican Party dominated by white men and by Trump. So, you know, it, it's clear that, you know, um, Kamala Harris will grow in stature as the year progresses heading toward the Democrat, the Democratic uh, voting in November. And then, of course, you know, we we have to consider uh, the current president, Joe Biden. And it could be said for um, President Biden that he is the poster child for the expression that slow and steady wins the race. Um, so, you know, it, it's clear he already has a lock on the Democratic nomination. That, that point is not being contended. Um, unlike, you know, former President Trump, he's not facing 91 felony charges and four court dates, uh, some of which are going to be starting in a, a few weeks and are expected to uh, progress through the entire year uh, and beyond uh, as the election looms closer and closer. Um, you know, his, his biggest challenge, and that would be Biden, uh, looks to come from some third party candidates uh, who could drain some of his support uh, among moderate swing voters. Uh, they are looking for and have expressed a desire for someone new, some political energy 
to be infused into the election beyond or just a rerun of 2020. Uh, and, you know, there are voters who are indifferent to Biden, according to some polls. He's seen as a moderate figure who has not transformed a politically polarized country uh, that has contributed to his low approval numbers in 2023. Uh, but once we have a one-on-one -on -one, uh, 2024 rematch with Donald Trump, who is the presumptive uh, nominee, um, and you know, uh, Biden will, as he did in the 2020 election, rise to that occasion and you know take on the former president. Uh, one advantage is that now they both have records to run on, and honestly, by every measure, uh, President Biden's record way outpaces uh, the record of former President Donald Trump. So. You know, it will be um, something to watch. It will be the, the stuff of much conversation. There will be a lot of ink printed on this. There will be a lot of airtime minutes that will be devoted to the comparisons of Biden and Trump as we move through the year. Uh, once the Republican convention uh, occurs and you know, we move into the, the final stages of the election, um, I would say, uh, like the last uh, cycle, uh, that is when um, you know, Biden will uh, shine the most. Um, Donald Trump has uh, made a lot of uh, uh, push on you know, very controversial uh, elements, uh, calling for the termination of parts of the Constitution, uh, and you know, weaponizing the DOJ to go after his political enemies, uh, and you know, and so forth and so on, which, although you know, appealing to his core base, uh, there are a, a substantial percentage of Republicans who are more moderate uh, or more progressive uh, that just can't stomach the kinds of things that Donald Trump is pushing forward. Also, he has made uh, several comments about, you know, his impact on the stock market and the economy uh, when the facts show that President Biden and the, and the Biden administration have far outpaced uh, the Trump administration's record uh, on both unemployment and the overall economy. Uh, just about every measure that can be taken has shown you know, a big uh, improvement by the Biden administration over the Trump administration. The difficulty with, with Biden is that uh, it, is, it is and has been difficult for him to gain traction as the uh, controller or the driver of these economic upturns. Um, and, you know, if uh, the the campaign can't find a message that resonates widely within the Democratic ranks and, and the the independent ranks and young people. Uh, it, it's going to be a very, very close race, um, much like uh, the uh, the the 2020 race was. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, of course, we will be, you know, covering this, you know, 
probably each show as we go through 2024. So, you know, and, then, and there are other things out there that are going to have an impact. Uh, the war uh, between Ukraine and Russia, and now the Israel-Hamas war going on and, and those tensions heating up. China is still um, doing its saber rattling, as is uh, North Korea. So there's, there's a lot of global energy uh, that uh, will impact the election. And, you know, we're going to be uh, doing our best uh, to keep abreast of it and, and bring, uh, again, as we do, bring some of the alternative uh, stories and the ones that don't get uh, a lot of top shelf uh, or top line uh, coverage in the mainstream media, we're going to be looking at, at some of those undercurrents and bringing that information to you. So hopefully, uh, I, I really hope that you will lock in with us here on the Fired Up Podcast on WJMS Media. I think we're going to be bringing you some really, really uh, thought-provoking and um, even controversial uh, subject matter through the course of this year as we wind our way toward November. So, you know, if you haven't done so already, please, uh, you know, bookmark our Facebook page. Uh, Also, uh, go to the WJMS Media website and you can link not only to our current show, but to our archives there as well. Uh, And you can always... Uh, search for the Fired Up podcast on WJMS on the search engine of your choice, and that'll bring you our shows. And just a- as a final FYI, uh, we have surpassed 200 Fired Up broadcasts uh, since we have been on air. So thank you all for, for helping us achieve that milestone. And looking to have you help us grow even further. Uh, look for our launch coming soon on TikTok. We're going to be posting some content over there as well. Uh, once that goes live, I will, of course, bring that information to you here on the Fired Up podcast. If you have any questions about the show or subjects or, or things you would like us to check into for you, please send an email to firedupradio at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get your feedback. And uh, I look forward to bringing you you much more content and uh, much more uh, information, uh, hopefully, that helps to enlighten you uh, in the political uh, (laughs) rocky road that we are about to march down. So everybody, welcome to 2024. Let's make it a great year. Please stay safe. Uh, please uh, be aware of the, uh, the COVID uh, RSV and flu bugs that are out in, in force here in the U.S. Uh, wear your masks when you believe it's necessary. And I look forward to bringing you more information, more political thought uh, in seven days. Take care, everybody. And again, Happy New Year. <laughs>